When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome back. It's another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder, Taryn Sharma, Metsy Sweep. Man, brooms, books, and cheesesteaks. That's what the Mets do when the Phillies are in town. Yeah, how good is that? Um, really, really fun series. Uh, way to bounce back after a weird few games in Colorado, showing that the pitching has been better. Um, just a really nice sweep. Good situational hitting. Uh, defending small leads, really awesome performance out of the bullpen. I mean, this was really like, they looked like the 2022 Mets. They are coming together. They are looking confident. They're not looking as lost as they once were. Mark Canna had a terrific series. I mean, we could probably do a whole segment on him, but just a quick tip of the cap, man. Three for seven this series, two homers, six runs batted in. He had all four RBIs on uh, in Wednesday's win. Um, yeah, uh, very nice to see him coming around. It adds length to the roster. It adds you know depth to the to the uh, to the lineup. He was very open about you know perfectly fine in a in a bench or role or you know not regular position um, or not regular playing time position. And that's you know that's all you want to see from a guy who's one got off to a rough start and two is just trying to contribute to to a bigger goal and um it's nice to see you mentioned the pitching i do want to talk about that um sanga we have some words on him um really nice to see cookie uh he's been excellent his last two turns out that changeup's been terrific he said it's feeling really good his, his first start uh he said it was his last start i should say he felt said it was feeling really good um his last time out he was looking like the cookie of old it's really nice to see yeah, absolutely. Um, on Canna, what would you say if, if somebody just like dominates one team, right? Like, so Freddie Freeman uh, with the Mets or or uh, what Chipper used to do to the Mets, would you say that they, they love that, that team or they just like hate that team so much? I would assume that if you're that successful against them, boy, you love to see them pop up. On you the love them, right? Yeah. Chipper named his daughter Shay, right? Uh, like a uh, infamous, just poking uh, the Mets. Um, I, 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 I think I, Mark, his, I want to say is his son. His son's name is Shay. Oh, well, my bad. Um, <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, Sorry, Larry. Yeah, it could be in anyone's name, but, but I think Canna just loves Philadelphia, loves the Phillies. This guy, every time he gets a chance to face them, he, he turns it on. It's it's awesome. Oh, I'm taking. I'm actually taking a look now. So uh, he beats up on the Cardinals pretty well. Beats up on the Nationals pretty well. He's got almost 100 plate appearances against the Nationals, hitting 356, 385, 483. Not bad. See, the Phillies yeah. are middle of the run. This is these are career numbers, of course. Middle of the road. Um, 
737 OPS, nothing crazy. But boy, yeah, he does have some success. Oh, boy, he has five games against the A's, 941 OPS. Good for him. That one's got to feel good. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, he, um, he is a, an awesome guy and, and somebody that clearly understands uh, what it means to be part of a team. And um, so, yeah, I, I just, you love to see that. Pride Month, Canna, he goes hard. I'm really awesome. looking forward to his June. The social awareness is just it's probably, you know, part of it. It's a large part of his charm. You know, <laughs> it all he has to do is turn around with a, a food Instagram or a, a, a socially aware, just absolutely perfectly toned tweet. Like, boy, I, I, you have to assume he's going to have uh, a career outside of baseball when he's done. Just in an activist sense, if he wants to, just because he, he has that right type of head on his shoulders, I think. Well, he's super quirky, too. So whatever he does. <laughs> in his shirt today. Um, again, the first day of Pride Month. And uh, he was wearing a shirt. They're all different colored bananas. And but, you know, all the, the peels are all different colors. But the banana, the banana, the fruit itself is all the same. On the bottom, yeah. it's like we're all the same on the inside. And mm-hmm. <laughs> that was awesome, man. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, his T-shirt game is, uh, is uh, a 13 out of 10. Yeah, he um, and, and he brought it the last couple of days. So oh, that was a really fun series for him. And um, I obviously really like Mark Cannon, not just because of what he contributed last year in general, but um, we uh, talked immediately after that last game uh, when I went in Philadelphia in August. And that was the the Nate Fisher, the Jose Buto game. Yeah. And he had the two home runs in that game as well. So I, I, he is responsible for some good memories for me. So I, I'm a big fan. and. Um, yeah, this uh, this series was another example of that. It was great. But I think as good as the offense was, really comes down to the pitching. So um, what do you have on Senga? Well, Kode Senga is is getting extremely comfortable and in his surroundings with his his repertoire, how to approach and how to attack major league hitters. And we're seeing him just blossom at a, at a very rapid pace, which seems to be a, a theme with some of these younger Mets. I should say rookie Mets because, of course, Sang is a little bit older. But all right. So his 3.44 ERA is not jumping out at you. Um, it's terrific considering where he started. And I believe over his last few starts, he's been absolutely lights out. So weighted on base so far is 296, which is very nice. His 87.8 mile per hour average exit velocity uh, ranks 25th in the majors among, I'm going to say mostly starters. Your minimum is 100 batted ball events, and that whittles it down to mostly starters. Some, I guess, very high-use relievers might pop up, but 25th in the majors. He's limiting hard contact very, very well. Batting average, yeah. uh, His batting average against his four-seam and against his cutter are both uh, identical at 232. <laughs> Slugging percentage against his cutter is 286. And uh, he's been using the four-seam cutter and the fork, the ghost fork, pretty much as his three primary pitches. But, of course, he has so much more in the bag besides that. The ghost fork, which, of course, we're really seeing start to take off now. We're seeing its full capabilities. When he has it, it's absolutely just it's phenomenal. It's one of the most exciting pitches we've seen in some time. Um, so he's got a 107 batting average against the ghost cut, the ghost fork. Uh, a 125 slugging against the ghost and a 59.1% whiff rate against the ghost. 
Like that's just domination. You don't see numbers like that for any one singular pitch. I mean, unless you're looking at like, uh, what's his name? Emmanuel Classe during his monster year with that, uh, hundred and something mile an hour, uh, fastball, uh, Duran in Minnesota with the cutter. Um, you know, he's just, he's getting comfortable. And we've talked about confidence a million times on the show. Now that he's getting confident, man, he's, Going up against hitters and knowing exactly what he wants to do um, and tip of the cap to Francisco Alvarez for adjusting with him, with Max Scherzer, who's been up and down, who had a really nice, nice start on, on Thursday. He's looking very sharp. He had a lot to say about Alvarez, by the way, as far as uh, I believe he referenced the it factor. You could probably check out SNY for the quotes there. But yeah, man, what Sang is doing, um, especially if, you know, that middle of the rotation, if you can have quintessentially three front end guys going Scherzer, Verlander, Sanga, and Sanga putting up, you know, numbers like he is over the last his last few times out, that's very, very, you know, advantageous to the Mets. Uh could be very beneficial in the long run, too. Yeah, absolutely. Loved that um both he and Scherzer. Credited Alby, uh, really nice uh, presence of mind to avoid the pitch timer violation by running out there on uh, in Senga's start. Um, here's the other things I'm looking at: uh, three straight games where he's thrown 100 pitches. Before that it was 95, and before that it was 101. Um, and since that kind of bad start in Cincinnati, he has gone six, five, seven. But the the best thing that I saw in, in this start was no walks. It obviously limited the number of hits. They only gave up one hit in seven innings. But the the no walks is massive because in his previous start in Chicago, he had walked five. And I think that probably part of that was because of the cold. We've been tracking uh, how he's done when the weather is not good. And it was blustery that night in Chicago. Uh, probably a little bit more difficult to get command, but uh, nine nine strikeouts and no walks. That's really, really good to see. Uh, other thing that I'm tracking, the the last three games, slugging percentage against him, 219. I, I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's video game kind of numbers, uh, keeping it really, really low. But um, he's proving, even though they've been giving him this extra day, that when they're giving him the extra day, he can go out and be a workhorse and really eat up some innings for the team. And um, and I think that that's been really, really valuable every time he goes out there and takes the ball. Oh, I mean, if he can be that guy and and just you know have a veteran presence out there as a first timer in the major in, in Major League Baseball, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I have his last three starts here. <laughs> his last line against. Is 156, 250, 219, <laughs> 27 strikeouts, eight walks, and you said five of those came in, in one start, of course. Yeah. Um, 2.0 ERA on the nose, on the button. Uh, yeah, he's got a 63% strike rate, uh, strike rate over that span, 270 BABIP, so it's not like he's uh, he's doing anything that's unreasonably uh, not sustainable. Just very, very impressive. Extremely yeah. impressive. So what did you think about, uh, I, I think that they're saying that they might start him on regular rest this week. What did you think about that? 
Yes, yes. Strike while the iron is hot, man. I know you want to, you, you kind of want to um, tread lightly considering that he is just getting used to things in, in the majors and now he's going to be getting used to a regular, a regular rotation. So, you know, tread lightly, but boy, if he's feeling good, yeah, man, let the, uh, let the, let the, uh, open that up, open up that, that fifth gear, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, if he's comfortable with it, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm excited to to see if he can continue to build on that. I mean, it's kind of tough to, to top what he did this time out, but, um, like that is just that's awesome production. It, and look, I I think that a lot of people were saying were expecting him to come in and immediately be like the the best, I, I just or like elite. And um, sometimes it just takes some time, right? It's an adjustment. He's adjusting. Uh, clearly, a guy that that cares very deeply about this team. He um, made it a point to be here in the spring, and uh, and so. I'm excited to see if he can continue to build on this. Oh, absolutely. And just before we head into the break, I want to talk about Francisco Alvarez. And I know we were just talking about him and, and the pitchers, you know, pretty much been like, yeah, he, he's holding his own and he's special in so many words. Um, we talked about in our last episode about uh, the catching situation once Narvaez was coming back and that, that day is probably rapidly approaching. Um, it's, I mean, looking hindsight 2020, um, it's looking more and more clear that, yeah, it looks like Tomas Nito might be the um, the odd man out moving forward if the catch, if the Mets don't decide to go with three catchers. Yeah. No, I, I don't see a way in which you can send down a guy who everyone is raving about his ability to catch, which was the fear that he wouldn't necessarily be able to stick behind the plate. And that's pretty clear that that's unfounded at this point, even the mistakes that he makes. Um, so, so for instance, today in today's game, he, uh, he didn't step behind the batter and get a clear angle to throw to third. It sailed over Beatty's head and, uh, and Turner comes in to score. I think that's like a pretty easy thing to fix, right? That's, that's footwork. He'll understand that he needs to, to step behind and not try to float the ball over the batter's head. Um, otherwise, I, I mean, uh, that big at-bat to uh, to Schwarber in the ninth, um, I think it was Rayleigh, he uh, he spotted that ball. Uh, he he kind of stole that strike. And whether it should have been a strike or not, it, you know, up to the umpire, Schwarber obviously didn't agree. Oh, that that absolutely wasn't a strike, but no, no yeah, Alvarez has been doing. He's, I believe, Sports Info Solutions has him rated as uh, tied for top catcher in baseball as far as defensive runs saved, and that is with William Contreras and Cam Gallagher. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, I mean, that's uh, pretty amazing, right? Like he has not only been one of the Mets' best hitters, but also. Uh, has been great behind the plate. And, and I think that he just, he has the demeanor for it. He's somebody that wants to learn. You look at him in the dugout. He's always got the iPad. He's always reviewing and trying to get better. And like, he's so, so young. There's like, this guy could be a real superstar. You think about teams like the, the giants, probably one of the best dynasties in baseball in our lifetime and where did it start? It was obviously the pitching, but it was also Buster Posey back there for those three World Series. And, and this guy could be like that for us. 
And so it, it gets me really excited to, to <laughs> see Alvarez continue to develop. He, he just doesn't look the same as he did last year. He's not pressing as hard. He, even like a couple months ago, I think that um, it, it was moving a little bit faster for him. Now he's got it. Like he's a confident kid. And uh, even when he's not knocking the ball out of the ballpark uh, from the offensive side behind the dish, his catching has been fantastic. As good as you could expect. I, I, there's really like no drop off between him and like a defensive catcher. If you think about that. So um, I think he's special. He should be playing almost every day. I think uh, I'm excited for Narvaez to come back because I think that he is an upgrade at the plate again over Nito. Um, but I, I don't see how the, the defense really drops off. And and to me, that's the only way that you can justify uh, keeping a guy like Nito because he hasn't really contributed at the plate and uh, the Mets need that. And so um, you can't be giving away these at-bats. And I know that we're going to talk about Vogelback as well um, later on, but the guys that are contributing need to be playing. And, And so I think that's what we'll see. Oh, absolutely. And, and what makes Alvarez so impressive is that he's learning how to play at the major league level at two extremely vital positions. And of course, they're both a catcher, but on the defensive and offensive side, because his potential is so high on, on, on both ends. Um, I know we talked about it briefly. I, I Maybe I put it on Twitter uh, probably, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, how he was really improving. Like halfway through May, his his chase numbers were doing great. Well, now we have his numbers through May. <laughs> and this is against pretty much all, all of his pitches. They, he His chase percentage was up against the changeup. His chase percentage was up against the sweeper. On every other pitch listed on StatCast that he faced in May, his chase percentage was down considerably i'm looking at the flattest line and that's a curve and it went from 40 percent to 22 percent i'm going to go ahead and look at his oh give me the hard hit percentage oh and look at that change up through the roof four seam through the roof slider and cutter he's falling back on but hey there's going to be adjustments when you're playing with a slider and cutter at the major league level but he's um he's just getting so comfortable at the plate and you know, you look at what he's done so far, um, especially against right-handed pitching. He, he entered, at least entered Thursday, 299, 357, 649 against righties, 161, 212, 258 against lefties. Narvaez, and I'm, I am pulling up his stats right now, left-handed bat. Let's go ahead and look at his, we'll look at his 2022 splits and see what he did last year against lefties. And and, I mean, the answer might just kind of stand right out for everybody, but let's, let's take a look. Oh, wow. He didn't have much of an average against left-handers last year, but 333 on base. Oh, no slugging either. Oosh. Well, hey, if... Alvarez turns out to be the number one catcher and Narvaez slides into the Nito role. Um, And that's of course, if the Mets decline to carry three catchers, which probably likely, but um, you know, the Mets do have somewhat of a platoonish setup. Um, Of course, Alvarez probably gives you the higher offensive upside, but you know, that's not to discredit Narvaez's uh, defensive capabilities, his, Offensive upside. I know he's been doing okay in the minors. His, his quick uh, rehab stint. I know his first game back was pretty, uh, 
productive. I haven't really looked at his line since, but you know, it's kind of as the season progresses and with so much kind of future mixed into the batch right now, um, it makes it, I guess, that much more exciting. But yeah, I guess we shall see. I do want to look at uh look at his numbers in the minors so far. He's a combined three for eleven between Syracuse and Brooklyn, if I'm reading that right. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. The the quotes too that Max had about um Alvarez today too were were awesome. I mean, that's really what you love to see. Somebody that's going to be in the Hall of Fame, just saying that this is a guy who has intangible skills, uh, things that you can't necessarily teach, and that he's going to be a great player. I mean, that really like warmed my heart. I, I was like psyched <laughs> to hear that. Um, can you imagine his, can you imagine where he where his head's at today? Uh, Alvarez. Yeah. Well, he seems like a level-headed guy to me. He probably oh, doesn't yeah, get carried away with the things like you. Yeah. But like you said, you hear a legend say, you know, pr- speak your praises to that effect. You have to wonder, like, oh, my God, like, you know, how mind-blowing must that be? Well, no, I mean, combine it with uh, he, the way that Max talked after his last start, the Colorado start, where he had, like, a really good outing. And he was saying that, you know, I've been telling Alvy, like, look, I could do this. I could still do this. I can pitch well. Um, I it's almost funny in the way that that Max was trying to prove himself to this 21 year old kid, which is uh, hilarious to think about and awesome. I, I mean, they they've had this experience together now, right? Because uh, uh, Alvarez caught him last year on the rehab start as well. Yeah, um, they've known each other for a little while now, and and the fact that he thinks so highly of him, he's obviously thrown to a lot of different catchers. Uh, it's it's really cool. And he's seen young catchers too, right? Like he had the, uh, um, when he was in LA, Will Smith was the catcher, right? And Will Smith is one of the best catchers in baseball. And, and so I, I just, I think he's a guy that would know. And, and it's awesome to hear him talk about his teammate that way. Um, and the performance that Max is Given, I, I don't know if you want to take a break before we talk about Max or. No, we're good, man. Keep, yeah. keep, keep it moving. Go ahead. No, no. Three earned runs in his last four starts. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's feeling it, bro. Uh, four walks in his last three, or last four starts. And that that's amazing. Like he's controlling what he can control. And, uh, and he's keeping the ball in the ballpark, which, you know, that's. That's fantastic. That's that's exactly what you want. I mean, even today, uh, I think only one of those runs was earned, and um, he he's he's showing that he still has it, and and he has that competitive fire. And I think that you see that in a lot of these guys. I, they're veterans. They've won elsewhere. Like Scherzer has everything that you could possibly have as a baseball player, right? Yeah. And still, he wants to push himself. He wants to win for the team. And and I think that you have that same thing with JB. You have that same thing. Uh, I mean, Kiana hasn't won, obviously. He's but he's showing that he's willing to do whatever it takes to win. I think that that's like a common theme in that clubhouse. And they're working hard. And they didn't have it figured out at the beginning because they weren't necessarily getting the production where they needed it. But if you t- if you hear Max talk, he has said a couple of times now how important complementary baseball is. 
that he feels more comfortable going after uh, hitters if he knows the offense is going to score four runs or more. And uh, and even today, he said, you know, it's it's it was great to see Cannon do that because it can't just be Pete in the middle of the lineup. The offense isn't going to function that way if it's a one guy wrecking crew. I mean, he could carry you for a couple of weeks I mean, because he, Pete is that good, but it really takes contributions from everywhere. And uh, and I think we're seeing that. And that's why the team is uh, has been playing better since uh, that uh, Tampa Bay series. Yeah. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's 162 for a reason. And, 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 you know, teams don't always, aren't always on point. And the Mets, unfortunately, began the season in a very mediocre fashion. And, um, yeah, they seem to be coming around. But, uh, and that mediocre, that mediocre month, it, all of that accounted to them losing one game in the standings. I yeah. like they won three series, I think, in, in May, right? Something like that. And uh, yes. If you're counting Philly, it's four, I think. Okay. And and <laughs> and all of that was like they're four games back. Yeah. They no, still I, have like a sixty something percent chance of winning the division. And honestly, like that's a really nice thing uh to win. It's like a, a really great banner to hang, same as like, you know, in college basketball, winning the ACC championship is great. But all you need is to get into the dance. Uh, And, and, you know, we saw the Phillies do it last year. We saw Cleveland do it last year. We saw the Nats win a World Series after being 19 and 31. This is, uh, it's it's a matter of building towards that. And it's a matter of having some patience. And it's so hard as a fan, right? Like if you watch every day and you're, you're emotionally invested in every game, it's so hard to, to, like breathe because you're you have to sit with it all night if the team has a, a series like they had in Milwaukee at the beginning of the year. But the reason why they play so many games is because it would really be impossible to say like that is the best team or that is the worst team based on one month. And the Mets didn't bury themselves despite being pretty mediocre. And now they're they're starting to click and there's another gear that they can hit. Obviously, right? And uh, but they're three games above 500, and they're playing better baseball. And more importantly, they've been fun to watch like the last couple of weeks, which had not been the case at the beginning of the season. So there's a lot to look forward to, and it's a long ride, and and I'm excited for it. Oh, me too, man. Here, let's take a a, a quick break, and we will come back, and we got to talk about what could be a very uh a, a very interesting roster crunch coming up, but uh. We'll get to that in a second. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we are back. Before we close it up, we wanted to talk about Daniel Vogelback. Daniel Vogelback has been uh, an on-base machine, but that's about it. Uh, Taryn, 
Roddy Mauricio has been doing all he can to kind of knock at the roster door. Mark Fientos is kind of sitting on on the bench. And I know that, you know, I'm Buck's an old school guy and, and he probably wants Vientos to be comfortable in his own way and he's learning. And I think Vientos in the post game on Thursday was talking about how much he's learning, just hanging out and he's trying to be ready when when whenever the team needs him. And that's great. But the less Vogelback does, um, you know, the clearer it becomes that you're going to have to replace him on the roster sooner rather than later if things don't turn around. And, you know, the batting average thing, he's always been a 220 hitter. It's That's just him. The on-base percentage, he's always been around a 350 on-base percentage. That I think he entered Thursday at 364. The power's been non-existent. He can't be a guy who's not producing power when the majority of his value comes from being a power hitter. Um, yeah. well, at least the power and the on-base percentage. To, together, that makes him a career. I think he's a 110 weighted runs created plus. Um, right now, he's at 102 weighted runs created plus this season. But that's riding pretty much solely on a 360-something on-base on percentage. Um, let's talk about Vientos first, because he's here. And yeah. he's not really getting many reps. Do you feel that it's time for Vogelback to be pretty much an everyday bench guy and, and let someone else try and take over that spot? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I, I think that the rut is what it is with, uh, with Vogie and he hasn't climbed out of it. When he hits the ball, he's not hitting the ball for power. He's hitting it on the ground a lot. Um, but really what has troubled me about him is that you have to be able to hit situationally. It's important, uh, not necessarily in like when we talk about a, a player's total value, right? There are a lot of stats that can go into that. But driving a run in when there's a guy at third and less than two outs is is massive. And I don't trust him to be able to do that. Do I trust him to be able to make it first and third with one out? Yeah, absolutely. But then, I mean, he's easy pickings for a, a double play. I think that um, where we're at right now, I, I think Vientos needs to get more of an opportunity. He really uh, can hit some rockets. I mean, that ball that he hit today that um, drove in Beatty, who great double um off of a lefty, which is awesome, baby, today. But uh, that was like 112 miles an hour. I think it was the hardest hit game, a ball in the game. And, and this is um, a guy that, you know, he can add that pop to the lineup. We're still looking for more offense. You can never score enough runs, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I think Vientos is more primed to be able to do that, um, even against righties at this point, than, uh, than what Vogelback is giving you. I know. Where yeah. do you come to? Well, uh, you know, Mark Vientos, his average exit velocity in AAA was 94.5 miles an hour. His average exit velocity through 20 batted balls at the major league level this season is 94 miles per hour. Um, he's going to hit the ball a ton. That's just what he does. He did not put up those gaudy numbers in the minors. Um, you know, based on nothing. He he's, he's got the potential to be a premier power hitter. That's oh, yeah. kind of what the Mets need right now. And, you know, that being said, 
versatility at the designated hitter spot or versatility throughout the roster in, in general, you know, is a good thing. And it's always a good thing. And matchups, especially with the DH in use, is a great thing. But whatever you can do to get guys like Fientos more reps, especially when the guy who's theoretically taking at bats and plate appearances from him in the DH role isn't doing much of anything. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a vocal, I'm a vocal back fan. I hope he turns it around and I hope, you know, he might do it here, but we'll get to that in a second. But, you know, Vientos kind of has to be next in line to get looks. Remember what it did for Beatty. Look at what it did for Alvarez. It's just the natural progression of things. Now, Taking Vogelback's playing time is one thing. Let's talk about Vogelback's roster spot because what Ryan Mauricio has been doing in in AAA can't be ignored. I have numbers here, and we're going to be quick because we'll wrap this up. It's almost dinner time on the East Coast. Um, Mm -hmm. Ronnie Mauricio in the month of May hit 367, 407, 541. He only struck out 9.3% of his plate appearances. 136 weighted runs created plus in, in the month. Last 10, this is, I guess, a slump if you're looking at the rest of his month. 326, 380, 413. Only five strikeouts and 50 plate appearances with four doubles. For the season, he's got, oh, I'm going to do quick math. No, I'm not. 344, 385, 563 slash 35 strikeouts in 23 plate appearances. 134 weighted runs created plus. Ronnie Mauricio, whether he's playing second or whether he's DHing as a switch hitter, um, he's going to be up in the mix too. Uh, it, it's only natural that Dan Vogelback's roster spot is probably in jeopardy, right? Yeah, um, but I wonder how much like handedness saves him there. Right there, this is a team with a lot of righties, um, so being opposite handed. Maybe that helps him a little bit. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I guess, you know, having, having Guillaume in the lineup always added a lefty. That was always nice. Uh, yeah. I guess you would have to account for that, wouldn't you? Yeah. I, I, don't, I just don't know what's up with him. Like, the patience is one thing. I like the patience. Uh, he works the count. He works the pitcher. He gets on base a lot. But... I feel like he misses the pitches that are there for him. And, and then he's like, he always acts like he's stunned that, that it was called a strike. I don't know. I, it's, he's just uh, bewildering to me. He should be like so much better than he is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, wait, we're talking about Vogelback? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, his ceiling is what his ceiling is. He's always going to be just a high on base percentage, 20 to 30 home runs, ideally, and 220 average. That's, I mean, he, he what, 240 last season or 238 or something, something like that. That's like, that was, I want to say his peak is a batting average hitter. Um, you know, he, Daniel Vogelback is Daniel Vogelback, but if he can't be, a large portion of what Daniel Vogelback is supposed to be as a major league ball player, then yeah, there's, there's a real issue there. But, but last year he was like, I know that the, the numbers uh, in terms of batting average say that, but like last year he was, he was hitting a lot more extra base hits. Oh, than he, oh the extra he's like hitting is there everything. Yeah. Dude, he's hitting okay, so, 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So I have his um I have his his heat maps and stuff in front of me this year. You know, anything inside, anything high and inside, he's had zero hard hit balls, anything on the inside of the plate. And pitchers aren't even going to him that much. Noah, I want to say that he attacked him outside, uh, a high outside in one of his more uh, more pivotal at-bats this week. Didn't even touch the spots that Vogelback has been doing nothing. And Vogelback still couldn't, he didn't do much with the at-bat. I think he drew a walk, but, um, you know, these are hittable pitches with guys on, on base. Like, you got to do what, what the Mets need you to do. And again, this isn't, I don't, I don't mean to rank on, on Vogelback the whole time, but it's really tough to, to get things going when, you know, it's either a shore out or or you're drawing a walk and and you got to hope for extra bases and, and and chugging around around the bases because you know he's not much of a base runner which again everybody knew that but everyone was kind of banking on him being a even in a part-time role a 15 home run hitter and that's you know you kind of need that and if he's not doing that it's it's got to be next man up season or at least rapidly approaching it the last year uh, in 149 at bats with the Mets, he had 15 extra base hits. Uh, this year, 129, or sorry, 105 at bats, he's got six. <laughs> that's like, that's, see, he's like an unsustainably bad rut right now. It's, it's like, this is not him as a player. And it's not like, oh, this is Daniel Vogelback, Vogelback now. He's just done. No, he's going to come out of it. But, the clock's ticking, at least for this roster right now, on how long the Mets can kind of wait it out before, one, his playing time dwindles, and two, they have potentially a, a, an upgrade at the roster waiting or knocking on the door. Yeah, I agree. I I like him, um, but oh, you him. Know, he doesn't play he, a position, and he doesn't – he's not doing what he's supposed to do. It's not like the Mets need him to hit the ball out of the ballpark every time, but like no, but bubble finger there, yeah. <laughs> and and so you know, not great over what he's doing right now. I, and here's the other thing: so like, right, he's got six extra base hits this year, but he's got 23 hits. So then, to me, seems like he's hitting the ball on the ground a lot more, even when he is successful. He's just hitting it through the hole. Um, yeah, his ground ball rates are you know, pretty much all over the strike zone. If you look at middle away, low and low away, his ground ball rates are 60, 60%, 70%, 64%, 50%, right down the middle. Yeah, he's just putting the ball on the ground. Yeah, because if you look at it, so last year, batted ball stats, when he was with the Mets, he's hitting the ball on the ground 34% of the time. This year, he's hitting the ball on the ground 54% of the time. I mean, that's that's a big drop, but the drop is not in him fly balls, right? It's him not hitting line drives. Yeah, yeah. Because a line yeah. drive can find a gap. A line drive can can get uh, a runner home from first. It he needs it can do to a lot. He <laughs> can do yeah, a whole lot. That's what he needs. It's what it's what the Mets need right now. But we'll see. Um, I yeah. think that's all we got for today, man. Yeah, I think so. Uh, big series coming up. Uh, Blue Jays in town. I just got to see them last week. They've got a lot of young talent. 
a lot of fun players. Bo Bichette is one of my favorite guys. Vladdy, of course. Um, and uh, luckily, the Mets will avoid Kevin Gosman, who was fantastic today. <laughs> they got Bassett for uh, on Friday, and and yeah, oh, another old friend. Yeah, it's a big series. I'm looking forward to it. But you guys, uh, we'll talk to you at the end of the weekend. Until then, it's let's fucking go Mets, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace.